to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. A God-fashioned life is our theme tonight. And Ephesians 4.24 in the message version says, uh, take on an entirely new way of life, dash, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Oh, I love that. As he's doing this character thing in us, uh, you know, just, just like Aaron's sort of trying to put this character into his kids, um, God's putting that into us, you know, and uh, he wants us to be fashioned in his likeness. Amen? So tonight, this idea of a God-fashioned life has just caught my imagination as I was sort of looking over this reading during the week, and I want to unpack a little of what that means in terms of our thinking, our speech, and our conduct. Galatians 3, verse 26 and 26 says, Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life in the fulfillment of God's original purpose. In other words, faith in Christ saves you, but we need to be immersed and covered with Christ's righteous garments. So if you're into fashion tonight, uh, this message is for you. And, And he wants to give us his righteous garments, not those old rags that maybe we're walking around in now. We think they're cool, but uh, and we're talking spiritually here not what we're actually wearing tonight, but um, we want to reflect him, don't we? If that's your heart tonight, then this message is for you. Other versions say to put on Christ or to be clothed with Christ. So we're talking about these spiritual garments that he offers us so that we're covered and that we're not ashamed. Okay, so Jen and I, um, got to confess, we've been into watching the Australian TV show called House Rules, High Stakes as well. Yes, Kate. <laughs> and uh, there's six teams of two people. There's uh, a, a couple of sisters, there's a mother and son, there's a couple of married couples and some living, one living together and two, two, two guys that are just best friends, best mates that are going from house to house to transform a house per week. So they get seven days to just totally transform this house using the rules that the homeowner outlines for their, their house. Now, the cool thing is that the homeowners are two of the 12 people each week competing for the prize at the end. And because we missed the start, we actually don't know what the prize at the end is. I've never said. But... Um, they sort of set the decor rules. Uh, this per- the people, homeowners, set the decor rules, and then they stay away for the whole week. And they come home once it's all done and their work's all, all lovely. Yeah. And uh, they get to rest while their competitors work their butts off to make it amazing. 
while they're making someone else's house beautiful, there's the promise that their turn will come. Or for some that the joy is there, that it's already been done for them. And there's a lot of love between the teams. You know, I, I'm amazed. And, um, you know, it made me think that our walk with Jesus is similar. We've already received salvation in full as a gift when we're born again spiritually. And if you've asked him into your life, that's you. You've received salvation in full. But then God needs to furnish each room of our life from top to bottom until we are living a God-fashioned life. He uses others to help him do stuff in us. But his, actually his Holy Spirit is still the best reno and design expert. So some give up soon after asking Jesus into their heart. And we've been around long enough to see that for some it's just too hard when the, when the testing comes. Or the soil of their life isn't very deep and the roots go down a little bit and then they get, they get thirsty and they wither. And um, some feel, well, nothing's changed. I don't feel any different. I've just asked Jesus into my life and I don't feel any different. And we always try and tell people, don't go by feelings. Go by faith. Faith says he's done this. He's there. He's changing you. He's in there now. But we need to give the Holy Spirit room to do his transforming work. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. In uh, over recent uh, night church messages, we've been working through Ephesians. We, we had uh, Ivy speak from Ephesians 3, and then I did the later part of 3, and then now we're in chapter 4. So let's turn to that. And, uh, you know, the number one garment, I, 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 wanna, I want you just to imagine there's, there's sort of a model here. Now, the budget didn't allow for paying a model, or um, we thought if we put one up on the screen, it might be a bit distracting. So just, we're going to have this imaginary model, all right? And the first piece of garment that goes on uh, is a renewed mind. Let's read verse 17 and 18. This is a spiritual garment called the renewing of your mind. So, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of, of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. From this, these verses we see that, there, that the way we think comes from the heart. So the first thing we need is a new heart. And Jesus does that. In an instant. But then the mind is the battleground. It becomes the battleground. No wonder Jesus was crucified on a hill called the place of the skull. Because it's actually the mind where the real battleground is. What you think is what you become. Yeah. So, the mind has an attitude. Verse 22 and 23. Let's read those verses together verse 22 says you are you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self so on what once we're born again we just just starve that old self we can't cast it out 
we just starve it out, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You just put it off. That doesn't mean you get rid of it. You're stuck with it, but you just have to starve it to death. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on, it's like this garment we put on of good thinking, positive stuff. You know, don't join the despair party of what's going on in the world and all the bad news and all the stuff. The world's screwed, you know, all these things that they put up on posts on, on posts and Facebook and down the side of the, the YouTube clips and that. If you read those, you'll just go getting discouraged, you know. It's about keeping God as the center in our mind, in our mind. It's about the mind, okay? The mind has an attitude. It's not just strong-willed teenagers that have an attitude. It's all of us without Christ. Well, many years ago, I, um, I got a, a contract to cart coal from the Huntley Power Station to Glenbrook, three loads a day, to replace the train that was uh, not allowed to go to solid energy due to a strike. So it was 30 truck and trailers hired in to replace the train. That's how many it took to just be one train worth. And we were, we were um, paid an incredible rate. This is like the best rate of per ton I'd ever been paid in my life. And I um, <laughs> didn't want to turn it down. It was a busy time, but hey, it was good. And um, I stood around a lot in the morning because we were just waiting for hours to get the first load out and other guys were just so negative and this was wrong and the guy on the loader was useless and why don't they do this and why don't they have more of this or more, less of that and and they were really really getting to my spirit and i was thinking mate we're getting paid really well here even if you're not owning the truck your boss is actually making some money out of this just be glad you got a job you know and uh, I just had to walk away. After a while, I just walked back to my truck because I was wanting to guard my spirit, you know. Another time we were in the main street of Raglan, getting, or probably ordering some fish and chips or something, and um, this kind of 300K-plus Lamborghini cruises down the main street, bright yellow Lamborghini, Fairly new, uh, it might have been 200k. Yeah, they lose about 100 grand as soon as you take them out of the shop. Anyway, this guy on the side of the road stood there with his hands on his hips and said, Get a life! Actually, he didn't say that, he added a few more words in there, which I can't say. Um, <laughs> Get a life! And I was thinking, he had an attitude, you know? Or did he? Did the guy in the car have an attitude? I don't know. Anyway, something to think about. Who had the better life? There's only one antidote for attitude, and it's verse 24. Let's read it. To put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the antidote for bad attitudes, is to put on this new life. It's sort of like a pulling on this garment to be like Christ in true righteousness and holiness. It's not something we can put on ourselves. It's a gift we ask for. The next garment that God wants 
to restyle and clothe with us is truthful speech. Truthful speech. Let's read 25, 26. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do people know that your word is your word? Do people know that you tell the truth? Can they trust what you say? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You see, sometimes words carry so much power that they actually open a door for the enemy. Especially when we call someone horrible names, useless, or what much worse. In the heat of the moment, we're to get that right before we go to sleep, before it's too late. And the devil's got in and wrecked the whole thing. So that's my little thing about intro, really, about words, because I'm going to ask some invited people up now. And we've got some lovely um, guests who are going to share about speaking the truth in love. Because in verse 15, if we go back to verse 15, it says, instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become, oh, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So speak the truth in love. You see, truth it's not spoken in love can really cut deep and it can really be hurtful. We need to speak the truth in love. And we're going to ask these three people how to do that. So Aaron, Luca and Ivy, thank you. If you could come and take a seat, let's give them a hand. We're going to find out the second garment thing, this speech, positive, good Speech, speaking the truth in love, what does it mean and to them? And then they're going to perhaps share a little example of a time when they might have, might have had to speak the truth in love. It really worked it out, you know. We're going to start at this end with Luca. All right. Um, I think what it means to me is when you've got the best intent is great, but when you want the best for the person that you're speaking to. At, there's a big difference between just going out to tell someone your peace of mind because you think you're right versus being led by God to tell them something to guide them back where they're supposed to be. So that to me is sort of the crux of it. I had a couple of ideas of what I could say because I'm old, so I've spoken a lot over the years to many people. And then the thing that I actually had planned to say sort of went out my head and I just thought of something else. Now, this wasn't me speaking something. It was my husband who spoke to me. <laughs> when we were very, very, very newly married, uh, he had his hands full with me. I come from a household where my mum was very dominant and she said, and my dad did, and she frowned and he would scurry and do whatever. And that's just sort of, you know, the 
type of house that I grew up in. So I thought that's normal. That's what you're supposed to do. If you're a good wife, you are going to boss your man around. And I tried it with Danny, and he did not want one second of my nonsense. <laughs> so um, I think we were married maybe about three months, and then he sat me down, and he spoke the truth and love about my attitude. And he said, we went through a marriage course before we were married, and in that course it told us that a wife should obey a godly husband because then he will protect her and he will look after her and the house and the marriage will be blessed. And he says, you need to start listening to me and stop your nonsense. So, <laughs> um, so in that moment, even though at that very moment, I did not appreciate what he told me. It really did get me thinking. And the fact that we're, you know, past 25 years married, I think, sort of says that it worked. So truth for me, it's, it's in the giving and the receiving. Um, and I know there's times where I've gone to marry and Jenny, um, Jeremy, with the situation of they've given me truth in the form of a quote or a Bible verse or some wisdom. And I'm thinking like, that's good. I like that. And it's made me challenge my thinking and my perspective. And it's something that I'll, you know, go away and ponder on. And, and I hope that it's something that I can use in my day-to-day life or say, in, um, you know, later on down the track in generations to come. And it's, it's receiving that um, graciously. And, and I appreciate that it's always been in kindness and love too. It's never been, um, in, you know, any judgment. And um, it's just so powerful to, um, to have that delivery with love. And my story that I was going to share was um, in my workplace. Some of you know that it's been quite challenging, the job that I'm in at the moment. And um, I've, there's been a lot of workplace bullying um, that I've been um, at the receiving end of. And it's been a challenging time and a learning time. And I'm really, really passionate about good workplace culture and this place that I'm in is it's definitely has been challenging and it's it's been a good time of learning. And right in the middle of this time that I was um, being bullied, I one of the words that came back to me was that I was useless and I've had bad things say to, been said to me, but that were really cut to the core. And I thought that there's not many words I can think of that are worse than being useless because if you're useless you have no use and that's not God, how God designed us and I knew that but yeah just that word just I, you know I really struggled with that and I noticed that that word was part of the vocabulary at work just like what Mary was saying it was um it wasn't just me that was being told that that was quite a common word that was being chucked around and um, I was talking to one of the guys that I work with and um, he was telling me about one of his staff members, and he said, oh, he's useless. I said, oh, wait, I'll just I'll stop here right there. And I said, um, that's that's a really big word to use. Um, it's powerful, and I, he, he isn't useless. You know, he's got uses that um, may not be shown here. You know, um, this might not be the right job for him. And um, I didn't know how it was going to be received because the guy I said it to, he's quite a tough, you know, tattoos, motorbike kind of guy, and I thought, is ever going to be like, a lot of people always think that I'm just this naive, you know, happy, everyone, let's be happy kind of person. But um, so he was ever going to take it or not. And um, 
about a week later, he came to me and said, oh, Erin, guess what? You're going to be really, really proud of me. Uh, someone else at work that's, um, you know, quite, they call him a grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> it's a great place. He, he pulled him up on using the word useless about someone else and um, he said, you'll be really proud. I said, no, um, the guy's not useless. He just has different skills. And, um, and I was like, wow, you know, all it took was that, that one little, you know, you know, bringing up the word that and sharing my thoughts on it and it influenced someone else or influenced someone else. And I, I don't, and maybe it could carry on from there. Um, yeah. I'll be the first one to say that I'm really good at speaking what I think is the truth, not in love. <laughs> like, I'll just say it outright and you know, come back really sad and be like, sorry, really shouldn't have said that. For me, speaking the truth in love means, you know, you actually need to take a step back and think, am I saying this from what I believe and, you know, my background and my culture, my beliefs, or am I saying this from a point where I want to help the person grow in their relationship with other people and with God? And am I saying it, you know, from my really, like, not godly beliefs, am I thinking and relating it to, to God, you know? Is this what he really wants? And, um, you know, I, Ivy said earlier that um, she has lots of years behind her for experience. I'm not calling you old, Ivy, but I, I don't have as many years behind me for experience. <laughs> so um, one of my stories is, it's not really a story, it's just a place where I use this a lot, is... I am I help lead out at a youth group, the eight to eight um, youth group, and there's a lot of things that a lot of people do in the youth group, coming from different cultures, where I don't normally understand what they're doing or what's happening, and it's so easy for me to go out there and say you're doing your whole life wrong. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I um, often before I go into youth group, I pray, you know, Lord, please help me understand. Please help me, you know. Um, live your ways and speak your truth and your goodness on these people, you know. So, yeah, just really taking a step back, removing your earthly things, not earthly, your, like, anger, and, you know, focusing on God and what he wants for for them. Yeah, that's it. What great stories, eh? Let's give them a hand, eh? It's awesome. Just stay there a minute because I just want to encourage each one of you and say how much God has already fashioned his character in you. And these stories are just really, really encouraging to me because Ivy here is nothing like that domineering wife <laughs> I've seen from looking on. And um, she has had this character being built into her. And Aaron is just so, so, you know, purposeful and positive and she's just amazing with our kingdom kids. And... I can see the character of God being formed in there. And Luca has just been such a leader at 828 and a man that so many um, young guys look up to and really want to be like. So they might be sort of saying, oh, I blew it or I did something wrong and haven't always said it right. But I can see, and third-party perspective says, God is doing a great thing. He's fashioning his character in you. So... You're leaving a God. You're leading a God-fashioned life. You can go back to your seats. Thank you, thank you. That's so good. And I'm blown away just by hearing those stories. And if you've had this issue with stuff being spoken over you, uh, I really want to pray tonight that it be spoken off you, um, that it be lifted off you. I mean, by by God's Spirit, that it be cut off you. You you got to cut it out of of your spirit. 
uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit because it just will mess with you if you leave it there. I also want to say if you've done those harsh words, then maybe you need to humble yourself and say sorry to that person and do it before the sun goes down, the Bible says. All right. You know, there's many, many good-hearted, honest, generous people in the world lending a helping hand to those in need and showing the love of God to others and displaying many of the fruits of the Spirit who are not self-confessing Christians. I want to say there's just so many good people. And some of those people end up on good sorts on TV1. You know, we see them uh, for what they've done in a community or whatever. And it's tempting to think that maybe that's enough to get us through this life, you know. However, once we get a revelation, listen to this, once we get a revelation of truth, we must be people who speak truth. Did you hear that? Once we get a revelation of truth, once God's revealed himself to us, we must be people who speak that out. The real question is, what is truth? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever been able to answer that question? A famous person once asked that very question when truth was standing right in front of him, staring in his face. On the day that Jesus stood before Pilate, a Roman governor called Pilate, who had the authority to order Jesus to death or to release him, began to question the truth of the charges against Jesus. There was a check. He began to second-guess this decision. A crowd wanted him to make, and he gave into it. As he looked into the face of the one who personified, that means it was, a, was like truth in person, he looked into the face of Jesus, who was truth personified. In other words, here's a person who is truth. This person just absolutely is truth, through and through. Who made the world and who had never sinned. And he's looking into the eyes of this person, and his heart was challenged. This was truth in person. All of his training, his lifestyle, and his image was at stake. If he had given in to the fact that his heart was saying to release Jesus as innocent, so instead he chose to ignore his gut instinct and go with the crowd. Are we inclined to do that to Jesus as well? To go with the crowd? Do we allow the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life to direct our thinking, our speech, and our actions? Or do we compromise to go with the crowd's thinking, attitudes, and lifestyles? I've come to realize that to speak the truth in love is only possible if we know the truth, who is a person called Jesus. Do you know him tonight? 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, No one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now you might be thinking there, sitting there thinking, Oh, I could say that. 
And it's very easy today in our world, isn't it, just to sort of rattle off words. But in the context that this was written, in the culture that Paul was from, to say Jesus is Lord couldn't, could have meant death. If you said that out publicly, you could be persecuted or even put to death. You see, it was an affront to the Romans to call anyone but Caesar Lord. You had to call Caesar Lord as a Roman. And it was, it was an affront to the Romans to call someone else Lord. And it was an offense to the Jews to mention the one they'd crucified. See, early Christians knew the power of the name of Jesus and the cost of that name if you said it out loud and you owned up to that name. You see, if we water down what Paul meant by speaking the truth in love and believe that just sort of anyone can do this without Christ, then it somehow carries less meaning. People can speak their version of the truth, but the truth is only found in Jesus. And I want to challenge you guys tonight to be brave enough to always speak the truth in love. And the truth is Jesus. So we've got our garment on called a new mind. We've got a garment on called new, new uh, words. And the final garment we're going to clothe ourselves is a worthy action to follow that up, to show that it's meaning it's affecting our life. In verse 28, let's read that. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Okay, whether we've got a job or not. We need to be sometimes good for nothing. Did you get that? We've got to be good for nothing. <laughs> sometimes we've just got to do stuff that's blessing people and it's, it's not being paid. And at times we need to gain some skills by doing it for love. And I've found that those who get a, you know, get ahead in a job are those who go the extra mile. In the morning we've been talking about going above and beyond. And that's what this garment does for us. To have something to share with those in need requires effort and faith. The director of the Bible college we went to said, when you think you've got nothing, nothing at all to give, look around and see what you can give away. He'd been incredibly successful in business, hundreds of thousands of dollars and gave it all away. And they lived by faith for some time. He said, when you've got nothing, look for something to give away. So to wrap this up, tonight let's bookend this message by reminding ourselves that to be decently clothed who doesn't want that 
but we're talking in the spiritual sense to be decently clothed by Christ. We need to check every attitude by having the mind of Christ and to speak the truth in love. We've heard so beautifully about that tonight and to have something to share with those in need. Isn't it cool when somebody you've helped helps someone else? We've actually experienced that quite a lot here in Huntley. These threads from the word never go out of, out of fashion. These garments never go out of fashion. They stand out in the crowd. You know, some people just glow Jesus, don't they? And it's attractive. And these garments come free of charge when Jesus is truly our Lord. You know, he's paid the price in full at the cross. So let us know. As Jeremy says, let us know how you're getting on, trying on these costly garments. <laughs> Amen. Lord, we thank you for paying the price for our spiritual clothes so that we're not spiritually naked. Lord, you've said that um, you will provide. No matter how rocky and rough this world gets, you will provide if we trust in you. Help us to trust you enough to put on these special garments, Lord. Guard our mind. Guard our attitudes in our heart, Lord. And just let those words come out to bless other people. And a, and a word in season is like, like liquid gold. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray you'd guard our, our actions as we put that on as well, that they don't get taken for granted or misunderstood and that they bless and become a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church